Welcome to Health Hats, learning on the journey towards best health. I'm Danny Van Leeuwen, a two-legged, cisgender, old white man of privilege living in a food oasis who can afford many hats and knows a little bit about a lot of health care and a lot about very little. Most people wear hats one at a time, but I wear them all at once. We will listen and learn about what it takes to adjust to life's realities in the awesome circus of healthcare. Let's make some sense of all of this. Remember where you were when Martin Luther King was assassinated? When the planes hit the Twin Towers? These events shape us and connect us as community, as a society, as a world. Remember where you were when your mom, your dad, a sib died suddenly? These events in life mold and bind us individually and across communities. Think about the 400,000 plus deaths of COVID-19. Sometimes we live through events and years pass before we know the profound impact they have on us. For me, attending the fair housing rally in Cicero, Illinois in 1966 was such an event. Martin Luther King was there. I didn't meet him. But my parents' civil rights activism that brought us there affected me deeply. I didn't meet my guest, Regina Greer Smith, at that fair housing rally, but we were both present. Regina Greer Smith helped to build and maintain collaborations between communities and stakeholders that enable improved healthcare outcomes with the goal of increasing participation rates in research and clinical trials. She was a member of the inaugural advisory panel on patient engagement and several PCORI funded initiatives such as the Chicago Area Patient-Centered Outcomes Research Network or Capricorn, that's a clinical data research network. Pastors for PCOR, and the Arthritis Power Patient-Powered Research Network, also known as Creaky Joints. Regina has collaborated with numerous stakeholders worldwide to advance diversity, inclusion, and equity in research and clinical trials. She is co-author on several white papers, providing guidance and considerations on engagement. She was also named the Center Watch, 20 innovators changing the face of the clinical trials industry.
Regina, it is so good to hear you and see you. I appreciate you taking this time. I just have to say that although we consciously met, I don't know, six or seven years ago at right. Picori, right? we did discover that we were in 1966. <laughs> we were at a rally in Cicero, near Chicago, Cicero, at the Illinois. Chicago Fair Housing Movement. Yeah. And that I was 14. And what were you? It doesn't matter. Let me see. I was 13. Uh, I was a high, high school sophomore Catholic school activist or trying to be. Yes. <laughs> and my parents were... They were really active in the civil rights movement in Highland Park, Illinois, which right. was a upper middle class community mm-hmm. in a suburb. And they were civil rights activists. And I had no idea <laughs> what I was going to. And I remember the giant circle and singing songs and swaying. Yes, and yes, yes. It was we a significant overcome. day. Yes, All we right. shall overcome. That's right. right. You know, Danny, I am so um, I'm so humbled and honored to know you. Yeah. You know, I've always been intrigued by your hats and health hats, <laughs> and seeing you at Pecori and, yeah. and coming fast forward, not only from Pecori but from life across paths in Illinois. My parents too were parents of the civil rights era. I'm a baby boomer who's, I'll say, privileged beneficiary of yeah. the civil rights. Born and bred in Chicago. Now I'm in the high desert, but that never leaves our DNA, does it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. So tell us a little bit about your journey to to having this interest and advocacy. Okay. I'm going to roll back the clock or calendar to really parents, father, United Steelworker. World War II veteran with General Patton coming from Greenwood, Mississippi, after World War II, settling in Chicago, meeting my mom, a falling in love, getting married, and seven children, me being the, the middle child, 1953, both parents being uh, big uh, believers in education and good uh, living for the children, worked very hard, moving to the south side of Chicago, and then going through the Catholic school curriculum Mm -hmm. all the way through high school. And then after, I'll say I got off the family payroll after graduating from high school, I continued my college at DePaul University, you've heard of it, Blue Mm -hmm. Demons, Mm -hmm. and Benedictine University where I got my uh, master's degree. Career-wise, started out in banking, after getting my undergrad at DePaul. And then I'll say 20, 25 years later, after doing corporate business and stuff, I uh, had a chance to meet some really cool folks at the old Northwestern University who were uh, healthcare technicians. And I said, I got healthcare stuff. You guys are really cool. So I went and got my master's degree in 98 in uh, public health because that meshed very well with my business background. And uh, here I stand, first job, after uh, getting my master's with, I don't know if you remember, Provena Health. Mm-hmm. That was in, 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 in Kankakee, Illinois. Poly, I was a, a policy analyst there. 
had a great boss and team that I worked with who, like yourself, hired a minority and a woman on his team, moved on to working with with a, a private federally qualified health centers system in Chicago. And I learned the ground game about healthcare in the community working at federally qualified health centers. So I was a pharmaceutical project manager. I worked in communities with community pharmacies partnerships to deliver pharmaceuticals to patients and beneficiaries, Medicare and Medicaid, mostly Medicaid in the communities. So that was 25 clinics. I was the project manager. Okay. Then on, I went back to corporate and worked with AT&T. I was a healthcare uh, a medical, uh, a healthcare IT director for the Midwest region. And there I worked with teams, network teams and sales teams. We created and delivered health IT for large healthcare systems in the Midwest region. There I learned about health IT. And so I learned, wait a minute. So wait a minute. This is, when is this? What, this what year? is in 2002 okay. to 2005. And so did, was this the AT&T healthcare, self-funded healthcare? AT&T is actually, or actually back then was a networking organization. Yeah, everybody just thinks telephones and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I worked in the network division where we actually uh, created and developed the large technology, the infrastructure for health information technology, because it was starting to get big back then. So was this like electronic medical records? Or was yes, this- exactly. Okay. Yeah, it, yes, yes. In fact, I became a member of AHIMA back then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I work with the large healthcare systems around the Midwest. Okay. Uh, Let's just jump right into this health equity business, mm-hmm. because really, you and I bonded over, I'm thinking, sitting around having a drink in some hotel bar yeah. between <laughs> meetings with several colleagues at the Corey meeting yep. and having this conversation about health equity and what does it mean. Here we are both committed. Our missions involve increasing health equity. But how do we know we're having an impact in our work? Uh-huh. It's such a monster problem. And Danny, it always has been. And my, my my perspective is, and my thoughts are, and my mission is, and I think it's in our DNA anyway, both yours and mine and many of folks like, like us. It's something that you continuously engage in and recognize that it continues to exist. And how do we lend our voices or amplify the issues that this is still an issue and a problem. And I, I think back when I, I got first, I first got into healthcare and healthcare for all. I did my uh, master's internship in Chicago at the Physicians for a National Health Plan. Dr. Quinton Young, I was a policy analyst. 
And although I've been working in communities, my communities and others and having conversations and being at the table with healthcare providers and stuff before that, but I understood and I learned that healthcare actually was not a right. It was something we go get checked. We try to navigate, but exactly we're, we are entitled and have the right to have healthcare. You carry that forward and you learn and you experience, well, you know what? I'm not being treated right. Or you observe that somebody or somebody shared with us that I had this issue and you keep hearing the same story, but you hear different stories from different communities. And while you're at the table with your colleagues who you're working with, and sharing information that their healthcare experience may be different from what yours is and what others that you know that you're serving or working with has not been the same. So you recognize it, the communities that I'm working with and that I'm part of, we're not getting the same opportunities, exist, existence, or even experiences or level of care, it has to be recognized at first, Danny. It's got to be recognized. And then we have to reconcile what's the difference? Where are the gaps? Because I live on the South side of Chicago, or I'm an African-American woman. Why is it that the breast cancer rates are higher in my zip code Mm -hmm. than it is in your zip code? So it's those type of conversations and recognition and giving those issues a voice and amplify it at the table with your colleagues. That's where we have to continuously go, Danny. We have to do that. Wow. So is that how you got interested in clinical trials and all of that through that that work? That was part of my journey. I learned about the importance of healthcare technology back then. So when our friends at PCORI called me in June, 2012, They invited me to their first uh, national conversation on healthcare IT methodology, data methodology, because I had a background in dealing with IT and data from my years at and So if you remember our friend, Sue Sheridan. Oh, totally. Yeah. Before then, we worked in the patient safety space with lots of friends and colleagues. So it's the relationships that carried forward and then getting my community in connected with the folks at the table, which was very important. Yeah. yeah. She was important to me too, in terms of my career at PCORI, yeah. recognizing that, that I had something to offer and nurturing my, I think really what she did is helped introduce me to doing reviews. Yes. Merit reviews. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Anyway, so now you're working with PCORI in terms of health IT but you really have done a lot of work with, with clinical trials and equity in research. Yeah, yeah. Corey's focus was engage research done differently, of course, but really bringing to the table many folks who have not been at the table regarding research, mm-hmm. being part of the conversation, and being at the table. And in my first meetings or collaborations with Bacori. That initial first meeting was at Stanford University. And the way I was 
welcomed and respected and encouraged, because I'll tell you, I was a little scared, encouraged to lend your voice. We need to hear from you. Make us or help us understand. So they kept egging me on. I said, okay, I'll give it to you. (laughs) (laughs) There was about 500 researchers there, and some of them I'm still friends with. Listening to what PCORI's requirement was for data transparency mm-hmm. and, and, and working with patients and data and stuff. <laughs> the last thing I said is, wow, you researchers got a l- and thank God I was a patient. You guys got a lot to do. I'm going to say a prayer for you. And Danny, it got quiet. And it's like, I said to myself, I said to myself, I said, oh, that's the end of this one. So, Danny, I was so embarrassed. We all left the stage. I remember one researcher came up to me and said, Regina, are you a woman of faith? And I'm not one to really praise Mm -hmm. out loud. I says, yeah, I am. She says, that's exactly what we needed to hear, Mm. that it's not all about us and that we're going to be charged and held accountable for doing the right thing. Danny, after that, I got so many hugs and stuff. So oh, that's nice. Yeah. But Danny, I was afraid. And then we went to breakout rooms. Yeah. And I started to have people listen and heard what I was saying. And I can't remember what I was saying in this room. But that's why that's what really I started to embrace with Pecoria is they're listening to this black woman who is not a researcher, but really comes in truth mm-hmm. and with authenticity uh-huh. and I, and I want to share mm-hmm. and not looking for anything. So that's the beginning. Now a word about our sponsor, a bridge. Use a bridge to record your doctor visit. Push the big pink button and record the conversation. Read the transcript or listen to clips when you get home. Check out the app at abridge.com. A-B-R-I-D-G-E dot com. Or download it on the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Record your healthcare conversations. Let me know how it went. Regina spoke about the evolution of patient-led research as opposed to academic-led research. She was involved with a STAR program, S-T-A-R, a network of networks in Chicago. Their mission has been to increase minority participation in health research and clinical trials through community engagement, education, and empowerment. Engagement has been the key tenant to sharing important health information and resources in communities with low participation rates in research and clinical trials. The STAR program says, as we continue engagement, we are committed to ensuring the delivery of equitable health information and education. We are also committed to the improvement of the communities we serve. We understand that health education and resources are needed for activation. Activation leads to participation, now engagement, 
and engagement leads to empowerment. Sitting at my kitchen table in Hazelcrest, Illinois, for some reason, I was watching TV and I had worked with breast cancer partners in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, wouldn't it be great to have African-American women who could actually find their own researcher to help them through a research journey to find out what's best for them. I think there was a show back then called the star, the star is born or something. It was one of those reality contests. So I said, you know what? The ladies would really be the stars of the show, but of course you can't use that. So I says, but the thing about it is we've got to be specific about the type of researchers and the way we want to engage. So I threw something against the wall mm-hmm. and I said, we've got to strategically target the appropriate researchers for us. So I've got a buddy. I says, well, I'm going to maybe I'll enter this into the Pakori stuff. Danny did it the last minute, mm-hmm. came up with a concept and got an award as you. Got Whoa. Yeah. You've got to be kidding. And I actually got a, designed a logo mm-hmm. with the with the awareness ribbons. Mm-hmm. Because not only could it help African-American women, but maybe other communities of color and who've mm-hmm. not been part of it. Not only racial, but people with specific disease states or chronic conditions. Mm-hmm. So from so so Danny, that was June 2013. And in November 2013, I got two awards from the National Networks of Libraries of Medicine of the NIH. They, I got an Outreach Express Award. And these are small amounts that you actually take your, community, your program into the communities mm-hmm. and share with them the promise of research and how we can make it work for us. So my first engagement cluster, that's what I came up with were my faith-based partners in the South Side and the South Side mm-hmm. uh, in the South Suburbs of Chicago. So how did you find the research partners? I have been working with health systems, with health fairs, mm. and with community partners, and really being from my own work. Okay. Where as a healthcare administrator at, at the Cook County Health and Hospital Systems. And okay. I told them, I said, Hey, you guys, I know we've all been talking about this. Let's, mm. let's work in the communities a little more under this umbrella. So I'll tell you. It, it, to me, like a, so much of the health equity issue is about power. And in research, it's the money and who controls the money. And so mostly it's researchers who control the money and then they go looking for patient partners. And so the what you're talking about is the community controlling the money and looking for research partners, right. which I think is a foundational perspective or angle or whatever for enhancing health equity because the women of color dealing with the issues of breast cancer and it's the women themselves controlling 
the questions that are being asked, the the type of research, the bringing the community in, and enrolling the community is such a model. Oh, yeah. Danny, uh, and that African-American women and all women are the leaders not only in their homes, but in their communities Mm -hmm. in bringing things forward. Mm -hmm. And they say sometimes behind every strong man, there's a strong woman. Yeah. And actually behind every strong community, there's a strong woman. Just look at what happened in Georgia. Oh, my God, Stacey. This is strong women. Yeah. Yeah. Strong women made that happen. And Danny, I will tell you this. It wasn't all about me because I was scared to death bringing PCORI or research to the communities because they have had researchers come before and they said they didn't want to be bothered. And so, Danny, these are people or my friends and partners I've been working with for over 20 years. It's like I got kicked out. But it's like Regina, PCORI actually has something that could help us help ourselves. Mm-hmm. So when I first introduced PCORI June 2013, right after I got the STAR initiative, we had a, a collaboration called the Southland Minister Health Network. And everybody's, everybody gets an opportunity at the end of the meeting to share new business and stuff. And I said, hey, guys, you know, there's this new organization called PCORI, and I got a little award. And I says, and I think PCORI might be something or something that we could really help with ourselves. I says, look, everybody, we've been doing health fairs. We've been doing health screenings. We've been praising, you know, praying. I says, let's try this research thing. And that's just what I said, research thing. Danny, I am so grateful that they listened Mm -hmm. because they have carried it forward to a point that there's no way I could have done it alone. They so when you say it, carry it forward, are you talking about carrying the research forward or the dissemination or the implementation? Yeah. I don't know if you recall when we had that first stakeholder meeting at Bacori 2012. Mm-hmm. And one of the things or the points that somebody said, and you just said a few minutes ago, we need to flip the coin on research mm-hmm. instead of uh, funding going to the academic centers and they really calling the shots and telling us what we need. Let's see. And Bacori did it. Let's see if we can get our own funding and find researchers who we can train to work with us mm-hmm. and to help us answer our own questions. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did with the Southland Ministerial Health Network that in, that morphed into, and I told them, you guys could be the pastors for PCOR till that 2013. That organization now has gotten almost a million dollars in funding, mm-hmm. have been the lead and principal investigators for their own research, have actually hired their own research partners from mm-hmm. academic centers. So they found, they used the model, the STAR initiative, they found their own research organizations. And those in, those initial partners, the first ladies from those churches who helped me with the STAR initiative, it grew and morphed into Passes for PCOR with 20 faith-based partners who've established a research infrastructure that's now a faith-based model 
for engaging and inspiring communities of faith and patient-centered outcomes research. So then it seems to me that if you if that's the the nut of it, then the disseminating the results and then implementing those results have then it's just like ready to happen. They own their own work. Danny, right. they did their own work. They they answered their own questions with the guidance and partnerships of the yeah. academic centers. They got certified in IRB. They created their own surveys. First, they got trained mm-hmm. understanding data. And we used a lot of work, pre-work that has been, uh, uh, been done by PCORI already. So we mm-hmm. built our own research infrastructure using some work and some findings from prior PCORI research, we did our own data, got our own data. We mm-hmm. built our own reports. We disseminated our own work. We did our own surveys. We've published. We've got about four publications now, in addition to a faith-based manual on Amazon, inspiring mm-hmm. faith communities and patient-centered outcomes research. Uh, but what was important, Danny, having the leadership and the capabilities and community to carry this work on. Mm -hmm. There are many communities who have done this successfully and using their capabilities and include research in their toolkit Mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. It's very powerful. The owning then People talk about adherence. They talk about the reducing variation in practice. Mm-hmm. But it seems to me that if people are involved in asking questions, designing the research, doing the research, then the translation into practice, into life flow, yes, is. It's just a natural next thing. Yes. It's not like another project. You know what? Yeah. Let me, I'll quote you what one of my first engagement cluster members said, Mm -hmm. and it's documented in the 2014 Bacori video. And I'll share that with you. One, One of the ladies said, we've been told all along, that we have to do with the doctor. In fact, it was a uh, pastor, Sylvia. I, I, I remember her name, but she says, we've been told all along, we've got to do what the doctors say. The doctor hasn't listened. And then she says, so that's why I'm so grateful for Pecorian star. I learn now, or I realize now that I can do and be engaged with research without fear, research without fear. Wow. And that's what's important. And Danny, that's what's important for all of us with research. And I'll take it a step forward with vaccination now with Mm COVID-19. We need to take the fear out of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's got to be translated by people who are trusted. Mm -hmm. It's not that I distrust this researcher, but I can understand what, my community person who looks like me, or maybe somebody like Regina, if I've got a, I've got a, I've got a partnership with her, or my 
pastor or whoever I trust who can tell me the truth and, and help me to understand so I can make the decision on how I'm, I want to be treated or engaged. And if I don't make the decision or make the decision best, best for me and also the other side of possibly not taking this path or this path, but giving them full disclosure and mm-hmm. how does it look for me? Mm-hmm. And that's important, Danny. How do, how do I put this on mm-hmm. and wear this for the rest of my life? Yeah. And my family members too. So it's a matter, and it's a matter of making it my own, putting it on like that hat Mm -hmm. and see how it looks. And if it doesn't work, you go, you know, this isn't working, but at least I got the truth. I got good guidance. Mm -hmm. And someone says, Regina, if you need anything else, let us know. But giving me the respect Mm-hmm. And the autonomy to make that decision. So it's not about blame, but mm-hmm. giving me the respect that I made my own decision. If you're going to share this experience you've had with people, either community people who are young and coming up or researchers that are young and, and coming along, what what advice would you give them? It, it, first of all, if you remember the PCORI engagement rubric, which I helped mm-hmm. model mm-hmm. and I so believe in, and we've it's, it's developed and, and advanced since then, but it's the respect, the truth, the relationships, and we talk about bi-directional, mm-hmm. and it's the co-learning. Mm-hmm. And yeah. one of the things that, I've learned, Danny, what is learning and co-production? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that I learned, and I did learn, and I share with communities, we've got some answers, but we don't have it all. Yeah. So let's find these partners at these academic centers who we want to work with and who had a desire in the heart to work with us. And let's train each other how to treat each other. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's and, and Danny, I am just so grateful that it worked out well. It was an experience and a journey, mm-hmm. but it was one of listening mm-hmm. and hearing. And when someone opened a door for us and invited us to that first meeting, yeah. 15 pastors, December 9th, 2013, we showed up and the researcher, Rebecca and I, we were at Northwestern and we, and, and she was a little concerned. She says, are they going to come? I says, Oh, they will, they will come. Mm-hmm. And we got a call from the lobby at Northwestern. They says, there's 13 gentlemen down. I said, show me it. And Danny, and I'll show you the picture mm-hmm. of that. And I took a picture to memorialize it. And it was just so endearing. And I'll say it again. I am so grateful that people actually listened to what I had to share, but they took action. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah. gosh, somebody, listen. somebody actually listened to what I said. <laughs> and then did something with it. Did something with it. Yeah, because listening is the first step. But then the second step is you got to do something with it. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Regina, this is great. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate this. Thank you for allowing me to share. Yeah. This has been fun. Oh, good. I'm glad. It really has been fun. So thank hope, you so much. Thank you. You stay well. Yes, and, uh, you too. I'll see you soon. Okay. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Regina is a pioneer and a master. Hearing the journey of a pioneer and master, we could think how lucky she was. She stumbled from one opportunity to another. The opportunities of a good boss, working in federally qualified health systems, moving into information technology at AT&T, working with PCORI, the STAR Project, the Southland Ministerial Health Network, but as Barbara Schur said, the amount of good luck coming your way depends on your willingness to act. Regina didn't stumble. It wasn't coincidental. She acted. Luck played only a small part. Such pearls here. Research without fear. And behind every strong community, there's a strong woman. Regina is that strong woman. Thanks to Kayla Nelson, web and social media coach, and Joey Van Leeuwen, musician and arranger. See the show notes, previous podcasts, and other resources through my website, www.health-hats.com. Please subscribe and contribute. If you like it, share it. Thanks. See you around the block. Mm-hmm.